Hi, thank you so much for listening to a Church in the City podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it enriches and encourages you today and that it can serve towards fulfilling our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. My main focus, though, is going to be on the beginning and the end. I'm going to run through a little bit in the middle, um, but I think it's going to be really good. To be honest with you, as I was studying this and just really reading the scriptures about this, the Holy Spirit just started opening my eyes to things that I had never seen. Things that I was just like, wow, I never saw it that way, God. That is so good. His word is so amazing. It's living. And it's, it's, it, it's constantly, every time you read a scripture, it's like, there's something new God wants to show us. You know, his word's so powerful. So, you ready for this journey? <laughs> Let's get started. Because it started in the beginning. And the Lord created man, and he put him in a perfect garden, a perfect world. And he told him that he had authority over this world, that he had, that he was to reign and to rule over it. I want to read, I'm going to actually just read a few scriptures though, because I want, I want us to like be able to kind of see it in our mind. As I'm doing this, let's activate our imaginations. You know, it's God who created our imagination, right? He wants us to be able to visualize and see ourselves in him, in the word. And so just let your, let your imagination kind of go with this. Um, first Peter 1, 18 and 20 says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as the ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. It so blows my mind. It's so amazing. Think about it. Before God even created the world, he knew that Jesus was going to come and have to bail us out. (laughs) He was going to have to come and pay the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice that wins everything that God has given us, that the enemy tried to steal or did steal, he gave it back to us forever. So it can never be taken from us again, ever. Let's go to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Just that alone right there. It's pretty incredible. 
Think about it. We are made in the image of God. Wow. Like, that's mind-blowing. How beautiful is that? Oh, anyways. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals in the, that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it. We're called to rule and reign over this earth. It was something that God had given to us. He had given us authority over this earth. And Satan wanted that authority for himself. He knew exactly what man was given. Unfortunately, I don't think that Adam and Eve, as I was were just going through the scriptures, I'm like, they really didn't know what they were given. Let me keep, let me keep reading. Genesis 2, 8 and 9. It says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in, the, in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruits. Think about this. So here's the earth. There's really, there's not a whole lot in it. And all of a sudden, God says, let there be trees. All of a sudden, just everywhere. Like, it's all of a sudden, God just starts filling the earth with these things. You know, people are like, well, how did that work? Did God, like, plant these things and they slowly? No. He said, trees be. There they were. I don't know. That just, to me, is, like, so cool. God's so cool. (laughs) In the middle, (laughs) I don't know if that's what it sounded like, but think about it. It had to have been pretty like something, right? I don't know. Anyways, in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the the tree of life and death and the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. Let's go down a little bit further. And it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, the birds and the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky and the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs And closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, About time. (laughs) 
man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. I want to stop here and just make just make a just make a statement. <laughs> um, and I want to be as gentle as possible, but this whole agenda, this whole LGBTQ agenda, man marrying man, woman marrying woman, listen, from the foundations of the earth, God never intended it to be that way. Man was not taken out of man. Woman was taken out of man. Man was not meant to marry man. Woman was not meant to marry woman. It's not the true unity. And if you think about it, when God created man, it says he created him in his, in God's image, right? So when he took that rib from Adam, he took part of who God truly was and formed Eve. So now the characteristics of God, there's a characteristics of God are in Eve also. So when man and woman then come back together in marriage, it says that they become one again, that they're joined together. And in, in the New Testament, it says, it's a mystery, but this is the mystery is that it's, it's the whole Godhead. It's the whole God. It's all of who he was when he created Adam. And so the sad thing is, is people are believing a lie. They're believing something that is not, and they never will be fully happy because they're not fully walking in what it is that God has actually called and chosen for them and created for them and created them to be. So sorry, I, I'm, I just, anyway, we, we, we love, we love, we love anybody who is struggling, but I just want you to know you're not believing, you're believing a lie. Let's go to Genesis 3, 1 through 17. It says the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, I think this is very interesting. And I, I believe it was Jamie who was telling me this, which kind of was like, gosh, that's so true. Um, she was reading something, I think, from Chris Volatin, maybe, out of a book of his, um, that was talking about she, it wasn't like all of a sudden the devil just, the, the serpent sprung up and said, hey, what's going on? You'd think she'd be freaked out. No, it was a slow progression. He began to commune with her, he began to talk to her. She knew who this was. She became, became comfortable with this serpent. She became comfortable with the devil. And so 
it wasn't like she was shocked when he came about and said, hey, you know, because you know what? Here's the thing. The enemy knew what Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had. He knew. She didn't necessarily know, and I don't think Adam necessarily knew. But anyways, this is the interesting thing. As I'm reading this, the enemy has never changed. He still continues to do today what he did back in the garden. Because think about it. He said, this is, and he's the ultimate master manipulator, right? So he says to her, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? He didn't immediately ask her, oh, you can't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? No, 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 no. He started out by, it was a manipulative question because immediately she said, oh, no, 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 no. We can eat of any fruit. We can eat of any of the fruit of, in, uh, of the trees. It's the one that God said that we can't eat from. Think about that for a minute. The enemy tries to lie and deceive us all the time. Tries to manipulate us and say, listen, did God really say that you were healed? Did God really say that he would bless you? Well, you know what? I kind of believe that. I believe it because I know it. It says it in the word, but man, I sure ain't feeling it. So he's, he's always causing doubt, right? He's a, man, a master manipulator. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. She added on the touch it, by the way. You will die? The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The lie. Serious. Think about it. Think about it. When the enemy comes and tells you that you are you don't have something that has been purchased, bought, and given for you, then you're listening to the enemy. Listen, listen for it. Be careful. He's sneaky, he's shrewd, and he knows how to get in and, and tell us things that we think are our own thoughts. He's real good at that. So be, be aware, listen for the behind it. Because if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's the enemy. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. Delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. Now think about this. They're perfect people in a perfect garden. They spend time, which I will read later on. They spend time with God all the time. 
They're talking to him all the time. You don't think God wasn't telling them how amazing that they, the, the good things that they had, that he, how much he loved them, how much he, he wanted them to be blessed and to just go forward and be fruitful and multiply. And I mean, think about it. So somehow the enemy was able to convince Eve that what God had done and what God was speaking to her wasn't true. Do we do that? I don't know. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. She had no idea that she had everything, everything that she needed, all the wisdom she could ever want because she had relationship with the Lord. All wisdom. It was hers, but somehow the enemy convinced her that she needed more, that she needed something she didn't have. Listen, Jesus Christ has paid the price You have everything you will ever need in him through the shed blood of Christ. Don't believe anything less. Don't believe anything less. There's so much in this word that he's given us. Get in this word, find out what it is. Hang on to it and don't let the devil lie. All right, let's see. Let's go in here. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. Wait a minute. He was right there. He must have been witnessing the whole thing. Yet he still decided to do it. Think about that. And then later on, he blames he blames Eve. He blames the wife, right? I mean, come on. It's like, oh, it's the blame game. No, it wasn't me. It was her. It was him. Uh-uh, I didn't. I don't know. Men. <laughs> hey. Hey. <sighs> I love my husband. He's amazing. The awesome thing is, in Christ, he came to give us life and life more abundantly, the way that it was meant to be in the beginning, okay? So what the enemy stole from Adam and Eve, Jesus came to pay the ultimate price once for all. He said it was finished. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. Suddenly their eyes were open and they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Ah, come on guys. Think about that. We have that back. Are we, are we accessing that relationship? 
Jesus came and paid the price so that we can have that relationship back, that we can walk with God all the time, that we have that access. We have that access to the wisdom, to the, the, the knowledge of what it is that he wants us to do. We can ask him anything. So they heard him walking in the garden. They hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. How often do we do this? And we should not have to do this. We do something wrong, we screw up, we whatever. And instead of running directly to God, who is our source, who is the one that can save us from whatever that situation was, it's already been forgiven. All we have to do is ask. But yet what we do is we pull away somehow, right? We pull away from God. Oh, God, you might see. Yeah, think God sees it all. What are you hiding? What are you hiding? You think he was hiding? You think God didn't know what was going on? He knew. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was that woman you gave me. (laughs) Who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Listen, men, listen. We complete one another, right? We complete each other. It was from here that we had lost the authority, everything that God put us on this earth for the enemy stole it he manipulated he deceived and guess what he was able to take the authority because of what they did the only way this could be redeemed was by the blood of christ and god knew god knew he knew he knew he knew he knew adam and eve would fall And so he prepared it way before. But here's the cool thing, if you think about it. What Jesus did, okay, so we have Adam and Eve Eve over here who obviously were able to make wrong decisions and wrong choices. But the blood of Jesus has come and there's nothing that can ever take that back. It was bought, bought and redeemed because Jesus came, he suffered all kinds of crazy things and died for us to give back what we lost in the garden. And he made a show of Satan and all his little cohorts and says he put them to shame. 
the only way that you can give up what has been given to you is if you allow it. It's just the truth. If you agree with the lies of the enemy, which he will come to lie to us, that's what he does. If you agree with those lies, then he wins because he really is lost. He doesn't want any of us to know that we have been given the authority back. He does not want that. We have authority to tread on snakes and serpents, drive over them, stomp them. Serious. Gone, dead. It's ours. I think through all of this, the thing I really want you to understand is that what was given in the beginning has been given back by the blood of Jesus. So stop believing lies. Stop believing that healing's not yours that you are not blessed because you are blessed. You have the blessing of Abraham. And what is that blessing? Nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm just gonna read this real quick. This is Galatians 3, 7 and 9 says, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. That's who we are, right? We're those who put our faith in God. So we're his children. What more the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said to all the nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ shares the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Whoo, hallelujah. That's amazing. Then came the law of Moses in there somewhere um, which I'm not going to talk about a ton, but most people know that the children of Egypt or the children of Israel were led out of Egypt. Um, they were told to slay the lamb, slay a lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. And then that way they would be protected when the death angel came and killed all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. That was a symbol that lamb that was slain was a foreshadowing of what would come in and through Jesus Christ. Amen. Most of us know the 10 commandments, right? So I don't have to go into all that. Wish there was way more than 10, by the way. There was 613 commandments, which were pretty impossible to ever, ever. I can't even imagine. Like some of this stuff is ridiculous. I was reading them like, oh my gosh, no way. Anyways, So why was the law given in the first place? Romans 5 and 20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful that they really were. 
God was showing people that as good as they thought that they, they were, the holiness of the Lord was impossible to achieve, uh, to achieve in their own strength. The coming of Christ was the only thing, the purchase or the blood of Christ is what purchased forevermore all sin. So, you know, you hear people say, oh, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know what? I sin, but I'm not a sinner because I've been redeemed from that. I've been delivered from that. So if I make a mistake and I screw up and I do sin, I repent and I run back to God. And he's so faithful. He's so faithful to forgive us. And it even says that the blood of Jesus, like he throws it as far as the east is from the west, which is like, they will never connect, right? So why do we run? Why do we not run to him? Anyway. The coming of Christ was prophesied all through the Old Testament by the prophets. Scriptures in Isaiah are full of his coming, by the way. Read the book of Isaiah. It's amazing. It prophesies him coming. It prophesies what he had to do, the things that he went through for us so that we didn't have to have shame, so that we did not have to have sickness or disease in our body. It's all in there. It's literally prophesied before it ever even happened. It's proof that our God is, he's so amazing. He's so amazing. So finally, after decades, centuries of proclamation of Jesus coming into this, this world, a child is born in Bethlehem to a virgin which is prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 it says the virgin will conceive a child she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us God is with us never to leave us ever again he's here and he's for us He is the ultimate sacrificial lamb whose blood was shed once for all forever, redeeming us from the curse of the law, from every sin, sickness, oppression, any lies the enemy has tried to bring into our lives. It gives us back the authority that was stolen from the enemy. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. His victory is our victory. We have authority. It's yours. Don't give it away. Don't let the enemy steal it. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy tell you that you need, you know, that, that, that you need some kind of, of, of fault. I'm not going down that way. I'll wait. Um, the band can come up. 
I am going to say this one thing. One of the things that Jesus purchased for us, and there's a bunch, when they put that crown of thorns on his head, that was for you and your mind and your thinking and your thoughts. That was so that you could have stability in your mind, that you don't have to believe the lies of the enemy, that somehow you're, something's wrong with you, something's wrong with your mind, something, something's not right. That's not true. That's a lie. That was for somebody. Just remember, Jesus paid for that. Hebrews 9, 26 and 28 says, but now once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting for him. You know, this says that he will come again. This means he's coming back again someday. We'll see him again for those who are eagerly awaiting him. I don't know about you, but I'm eagerly waiting I'm waiting. He's coming back. It says he's coming back. And I'm telling you, when that was spoken by Paul, I believe, well, I'm, yeah. Um, it's, that was a long, long time ago. I'm telling you right now, I really believe we are living in the last days. I'm hoping that I will see him, be, I, that I won't die, that I will, I will be able to see him face to face. That's when the full redemption of our bodies will receive that. To me, that's just so amazing. It says in 1 Thessalonians, and this is Paul speaking, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 and 17 through 17 says, for since we believed that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when, Christ, when Jesus returns, God will bring with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of an arch, the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. That's our promise. Hallelujah. He's so good. Amen. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode of A Church in the City. 
if you could use prayer for anything in your life, we'd be honored to partner with you. Send us an email to prayer at dccgr.org. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend so that we can fulfill our mission of empowering a movement of passionate Jesus followers. Before you go, a quick reminder about our fundraising for The Roots Project. You can get involved in a bunch of different ways by going to achurchinthecity.org slash miraclegrip. Thank you and God bless you. We'll see you next time.